You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 392 of Locked On Raptors for Saturday, October 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. And you can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where there's links to every single episode. Please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network as well, team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke. We've got, uh, oh man, so many NFL shows going right now. Obviously, all 32 teams covered there. We have Locked On College shows as well. Today's Saturday. There's college football on. If you want to hear recaps of all the games, make sure you're finding the corresponding Locked On College shows for the games that you're interested in. And uh, yeah, there's fantasy. There's just so much stuff on the network. Make sure you're checking it all out and subscribing and rating and reviewing to the shows that you like uh, on their own separate iTunes pages. You can do that with us. Locked On Raptors is available on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, wherever the hell you find podcasts you're going to find lockdown raptors and if you would please subscribe rate and review it is the best way to support the show and i very much appreciate it there's been a lot of nice comments we've been doing really well in the rankings lately and uh, that's because of you guys it really is and i appreciate everyone who's taken the small amount of time it requires to leave a little nice few words and a five-star rating and uh if you haven't done it yet thank you in advance for doing it because i know you're a good enough person to do it for me all right on today's show it's myself going solo uh gonna answer a bunch of mailbag questions because uh, Raptors played Melbourne last night. I don't think we have to dive too much into that game. Although I guess we can talk about Norman Powell, who was sort of the bright spot of the game. Obviously not a lot to take away from this game entirely because it was a 120-82 win uh, I, against Melbourne, who's just not an NBA team, not even close. I, uh, full disclosure, stopped watching around halftime and sort of barely watched the first half attentively. So, uh, but like, again, I don't think there's that much you can take away from this game. Pascal Siakam looked great. Uh, 19 points, 6-10 shooting, had uh, three assists as well. There's going to be a lot of high assist games for Pascal this season. I'm very much looking forward to his year. He was kind of a little uh, out of control against the Jazz in the second preseason game. Kind of reined that in in this one. The number of times he's sort of initiating the break is very encouraging and... The number of trailer threes I think Fred Van Vliet's going to hit this season is going to be pretty uh, startling. So, uh, loving Pascal so far. But Norm is the guy to talk about. Norm started because Kyle, Kawhi, CJ Miles all rested, and then OG's still away for a personal matter, and Fred Van Vliet sat with a, uh, I guess, a tight hammy. Not sure that's something to be super concerned about, but hamstrings are always weird, so I guess we keep an eye on that going forward. If Fred doesn't play another preseason game, I'm very okay with that. He's looked fine through the first two that he's played, so no need to rush him back. There's still well over a week and a half until the first regular season game, so I don't think there's any need to rush into getting Fred back on the court. But Norm started. He had 21 points, 8 of 11 shooting, 3 of 5 from deep, 3 assists, 3 boards. It uh, was a plus 45 in the game, which is hilarious. He uh, he was great, and I, I think the, the way Norm's played, he's been a little bit, you know, very normy in the first couple games. There's been good flashes and bad, mostly good, though, I think, and that, I think, is kind of encouraging and also is going to pre- present Nick Nurse with a very interesting rotation dilemma going forward because Norm is the guy that the Raptors have the most investment in of the C.J. Miles, Danny Green, Norm Powell sort of uh, mismatch love triangle at the two-guard spot, and... I wonder how long it's going to take for, or how many good performances like this it's going to take for Norm to get a shot as the starting two, or just as like a backup with, you know, regular run who's not coming in sort of the last five minutes of a half and not coming into a game again like we saw at times last season. I wonder how long it's going to be until Norm becomes just a regular part of the rotation and maybe a significant part of it. 
just because of the investment they have in him over the next three, four, I guess it's four years now. Um, like that, that is a, a guy that it behooves the Raptors for him to look good, either whether it's because, you know, the, he can be a, a reliable contributor at 10 million bucks a year and hopefully can become a bit of a surplus value there and maybe sort of play himself into being more valuable than his contract might suggest, considering where the, the cap is going uh, and where the, sort of the state of the league is at right now. A $10 million player who can be a starter for you can be a surplus value which would be a surprising thing considering what Norm looked like last season. Um, and also there's the idea, like, if you can play him up and have him play well, maybe he becomes a nice trade ship and you can actually get something for him as opposed to what the case would have been this past summer had they tried to move on from him, which would have been they have to attach something to him to get rid of him because of the contract that he has what looked so onerous, you know, six months ago. I do think, you know, there, there's a, a reason, there, there's there's justification if the Raptors want to play Norm more and and start try to get him into the place that maybe a Danny Green or CJ Miles might occupy right now just because of their investment in him. So a game like last night where he looked so good, very interesting and very encouraging. He also got hurt, though. He took a little stinger, I think, in the thigh, I believe, is what t- took place with him. And we'll see what happens with him going forward. Doesn't look like there's anything structural or anything like that. We haven't heard any reports today. But uh, hopefully Norm's good, and he hopefully he's not going to be derailed by this because... An injury is what derailed him last season, too. Not that he was particularly good early in the season as the starting uh, three for the Raptors, but he, like, he never really got back into the plans after OG took his spot when Norm went down with, I think, that ankle injury he had. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just encouraging. That's all it is. Norm is a guy to keep an eye on here. I think a lot of people kind of had him as a bit of a lost cause going forward, but I, I do think there's a lot of potential there. And the fact that he's had two seasons where he's been a very good-looking basketball player is sort of, and that outweighs, I think, what he did last year, I think, at least in my mind. Like, I do think he's more the player we saw in the first couple years than he was sort of as the shell of himself with no confidence last season. So I hold out hope that Norm can do something well uh, with whatever role he gets this season, whatever minutes he gets. And I don't know, I'm coming around on the idea of maybe just, like, picking him to be the starter late in the season. If we were to bet on that between CJ, Norm, Danny Green, DeLon Wright, like, I think the odds are sort of looking up more in Norm's favor if he's going to play like this. Obviously, it's three preseason games, and we can't really take anything from it, but I think the, going even before, I think I said this before the, the preseason even started, just the investment they have in him would lead him to maybe have a bit more of a path to rotation minutes, and I do think there's a non-zero chance considering... Danny Green's injuries the last couple seasons and just the fact that he's been less consistent. Obviously, he's a great defender, and pairing him next to Kawhi is probably an ideal situation defensively, but if Norm can be the good defender he was, I think, for most for the most part last season, then it also be a bit more of a threat on the on the drive and on the kick. You know, he even like had a nice couple of driving kicks last night, which we never really see. He's looked a little bit more controlled at times on his drives. He had a huge dunk, obviously, too, which is you're gonna get with him. But um, you know, if he can show a little bit more in terms of off the dribble chops, which Danny Green has not shown so far, uh, despite having a bit more leeway to do that, I think under Nick Nurse than he did under Greg Popovich. I do think we could see Norm kind of supplant Danny Green at some point here. And I, I do think it, ultimately all of this leads to C.J. Miles' minutes probably going way down. I still think like he's probably going to be the big, biggest loser of all this because Green will play. I'm sure Green will close a lot of times just because of his defense. But um, Norm, I, I do think there's a very real path for him to uh, carve out a real role in this team. And that's good. That's a nice problem to have, to have too many good shooting guards for a team that historically has had a lot of very bad ones. So... 
or not even bad, not bad shooting guards, just bad wings in general. But uh, that's my norm spiel. I'll get to the mailbag questions now, uh, but first we're going to take a quick break. All right, question one. Here we go from Jared at Jamin's Hoops. What storyline are you already sick of heading into the season? Honestly, it's kind of already gone away, which is nice, but it was the whole Kyle Lowry thing, really, and just sort of the, oh, is him, are him and Kawhi going to get along? Is Kyle going to be fully in it this season with DeMar traded? I was tired of that, you know, in the summer. I was tired of that on media day and the whole first week of training camp where Kyle wasn't really speaking. And uh, thankfully, Kyle getting on the floor and throwing no-look jumping bounce passes to Kawhi Leonard just kind of eased that tension a little bit, I think. I don't think there was ever actually real tension between him and Kawhi. I just think it was probably tension that the media and fans kind of felt just because of the uneasiness of the entire situation. But um, I'm glad that's already kind of left us. And I think we're already looking ahead to the basketball stuff, which was always my biggest concern. I was not concerned about the chemistry stuff. Professional athletes figure this shit out all the time. Kyle's had the godfather of his kid traded off the Raptors before one time and has signed two contracts since then. So I don't think it's all that much of a concern. Um, And I, I never did. And just for it to be such a mainstream media sort of thing to harp on for the first couple weeks is pretty exhausting. But it seems like we're already moving past that, which I think is a very good thing for all involved. Uh, next question here from Nathan Drake. Uh, Nathan Drake, what do you think the problem is with the Raptors defense so far? I know this is just preseason. Do you think it's rust conditioning and them just needing to get used to each other? Or do you think some of the perimeter defenders regressed? I think it's definitely the former there. I really none of the the defenders on this team I think are gonna are at risk of being like bad defensive players on the wing this season. Obviously, C.J. Miles was always kind of that, so I don't think there's regression from there him him there either. Kawhi is a very good defender. I think Kawhi is kind of feeling himself out in this defense a little bit. There have been times where he's looked a little bit, um, maybe just kind of slow to react, and I think that's just rust and kind of getting back into the swing of things. And I think he's just trying to kind of feel out his spots for where he might be able to be more of an opportunist. And I think that's just going to come with time and figuring out the rhythms and timings of everyone he's playing defense with. Obviously, having Danny Green out there helps because they've played together. They have simpatico, I'm sure. Um, Kyle's a guy who is very much a gambler on defense, too. So I think there's probably a bit of a feeling out process there. And just, I think, trying to figure out how he relates with a guy like Jonas, for example. You know, the pick and roll coverage is there. How do they sort of, you know, work together on a string to to work in those situations? And I think that's also, you know, going to take some time. And it's like the Raptors haven't had OG Ananobi for any of these games. And that is big. OG's a very good defender. He's going to be a perfect defender next to Kawhi, I'm pretty sure. Um, Just the switchiness that those guys have and just the... Uh, just there's a lot of defensive chops on this team, man. <laughs> and I think once OG's there in place of a Serge Ibaka or CJ Miles or whoever's playing that four spot, I guess it's been Miles the first couple of games um, where everyone's played. You know that's just going to upgrade the defense significantly there too. So no, I'm not worried about the Raptors defense. It's just the preseason. We saw in the first half of that Jazz game when they really had everyone in and they were kind of buckled down. That this is going to be an insanely hard team to score on when when everything's going. Pascal looks great. Um, the the rebounding I think has been better than I would have expected. Surge had 12 last night. Yes, it's against the Australian team, but like it's still 12 boards from Surge playing center. That's very encouraging for what he's going to have to do in order to be able to maintain as a center in this in this team. So yeah, it's uh it, it'll come. The defense is going to be excellent. I don't think anyone's you know notably regressed. Maybe Kyle takes a half step off of his you know typical you know dogged defense, but I, even then, I don't think that's really something to be worried about. This team's going to be really good, and like I, I think I said this last week, the offense I think is probably going to come easier to this team just because they it's 
very, very similar to what they ran last year, I think. And it's a very free-flowing offense, right? It's not like a million sets. This isn't Rick Carlisle calling sets every time they come down the court. It's a very free-flowing style. Um, and I do think like that's probably a little easier to pick up. And like they're just kind of picking up where they left off. Obviously, they're figuring out how Kawhi is fitting into that and where he's going to try to get his own buckets. He had like an entire segment of the second quarter against Utah where he just you know kind of went ISO mode and absolutely cooked Jay Crowder and that was great um but that's something I think that they're just kind of feeling out but other than that like the offense I think is very similar to what it was last year and it's not like they didn't have an ISO heavy guy you know taking up possessions last year either right so um I I do think the defense there's something to the idea that in this instance which isn't always the case when you have a new coach and you're trying to figure out and, and install new things with a team usually the defense comes first just because it's more of an effort thing than anything and I do think the defense with this team because I think Nick Nurse is going to want to try to change things up from the defensive system that really let the Raptors down against good offenses last year I do think you know it's going to take some time for them to kind of get it together and sort of be able to work on a string harmoniously That'll come, though. They're all very good defensive players. There are, like, very few bad bad defenders on this team, which is uh, something that you haven't been able to say about the Raptors in a very, very long time. All right, next one here from at uh, thoseguys underscore TG. If Kyle was traded and not DeMar, and it was DeMar playing with Kawhi, would expectations be higher or the same? I feel like general person, fan, expectations would be similarly high as they are right now. For me, they'd be much lower just because I think the... DeMar-Kawhi pairing would just make a lot less sense on paper. You kind of have a lot of overlap offensively with those guys. And, uh, you know, you're obviously, when you have DeMar out there instead of Kyle, you're missing an excellent three-point shooter in Kyle. You're missing a much better defender in Kyle, um, especially at his position. It's just, yeah, I don't think the DeMar-Kawhi pairing would have worked super well. I think it would have been sort of a supercharged version of what DeMar and Rudy Gay was in the past. Obviously, Kawhi's a better defender. um, And obviously, you know, DeMar is a much better player than he was back when Rudy Gay was there. Kawhi's a better player than Rudy Gay was um, but I do think like you'd have a lot of the similar sort of fit issues with those two guys just a lot of ball dominance and a lot of guys who I think you know those two would probably take up 60% of possessions right it'd be kind of dueling isos I think and you'd get away a lot from I think what makes the Raptors offense so good right now because a lot of the things Kyle Lowry does very well lend very nicely to the Raptors current offensive system and if you have DeMar who admittedly is a very good playmaker and did a great job with the last season but if you have him working without a Kyle off ball and without a Kyle to sort of offset the the ball handling load I think that would be kind of a problem, and I don't think I'd be super high on that team. And then the defense would just be much worse because DeMar's out there as well. Obviously, Kawhi can sort of paper over a lot of those ills, but um, yeah, I love I hate talking about DeMar in like the past tense because like DeMar was amazing. I love DeMar so much, and he was such a fantastic Raptor, but Kawhi's just so much better at so many things than DeMar is, and it's hard not to get excited about what this team looks like with Kawhi in place of DeMar. And to have those two playing together, like, they'd still be a very good team. I'm sure they'd be, like, third in the East or something like that. But I do think the ceiling would be a lot less just because Kyle brings a lot of stuff that DeMar just does not have in his bag. And also stuff that Kawhi doesn't really have in his bag either. And I think the the sort of variation of skills there would be, uh, it's just so much better than what you'd have with DeMar playing with Kawhi, who, again... There's a lot of overlap, especially with their offensive games, where they both like to kind of jab step, take mid-rangers, and kind of iso quite a bit, which I think uh, having two of those guys, probably not ideal. All right, next question here comes from Dangerous Dan at Madossum. Who would win a fight of Surge versus a kangaroo? (laughs) Um, So this is tough. I think it comes down to exactly how long Surge's wingspan is and sort of the length of a kangaroo's legs, which I'm pretty sure a kangaroo's legs 
are longer than Surge's arms because we've seen with Surge in his past sort of faux fights with you know with Robin Lopez mostly um, that his arms like his his he's got a very quick jab and it's like a very you know it's an easy quick strike for him to sort of catch someone off guard but like I think someone that could match him in terms of speed of strike would be the kangaroo. So you kind of have Surge's arm versus the kangaroo's legs. And in that instance, I do think I'd give the kangaroo the edge just because I think the wingspan there is longer, or the leg span, whatever it is. And I think the kangaroo's just going to kind of get to Surge's torso before Surge can land the punch on the kangaroo's face. And I think that's going to take Surge down. Um, now, if Jamal McGlore comes in to sort of intervene in the fight, the kangaroo might be kind of outnumbered because the thing with the kangaroo is that it's pretty hard for him, I think, to reload quickly on his strike. Like, it's more of a one-knock, like a knockout punch type thing that you kind of have to reload. It's like a cannon almost. And I do think if you have Jamal McGlore coming in from the side to defend Surge, you know, Surge gets hit in the torso while trying to throw a punch at the kangaroo. McGlore comes in for, like, the side tackle. I do think that could bring the kangaroo down. Um, and then we could have Surge do a cooking show where he cooks kangaroo knuckles or something like that for uh, for Danny Green, which I think is the next episode of How Hungry Are You? So I think this is how it all goes. Uh, Surge versus the kangaroo one-on-one, no dice, but Jamal McGlore, he's there for something, and if it's not fighting a kangaroo on behalf of Surge, then I have no idea what it is. So um, yeah, th- that's a very, very good question from Danny Mada. Next question here from Jay Rosales. If this is your last episode before Monday, which it is, what are you thankful for? Basketball, Raptors, personal, professional, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Basketball, Raptors, I mean, Kawhi Leonard. I'm thankful that Kawhi Leonard's on the Raptors. It's very awesome. It's going to be a really fun season. I uh, admittedly, at the end of last year, I kind of got a little bit stuck in the monotony of covering the very good team that had very similar results in the playoffs each season. And I, don't, I was, like, not very jazzed. I mean, it's it sounds silly because it's, like, my job to cover basketball. It's awesome. But I think it's kind of, with anything, if there's not a lot of change over the course of a few years, you can kind of get stuck in a little bit of a rut. And I was admittedly not super stu- stoked about the upcoming season. Like, I was, you know, gonna, obviously you go to games and you have fun and it's great and then stories develop over the course of the season and they kind of rope you back in again. But, you know, last July or so, before the trade was made, I was just like, yeah... The Raptors, yes, Nick Nurse is here, but, like, they're going to be very similar. It's going to be fine, I guess, but, like, I'm not super excited about, you know, anything new happening with the team. Then the Kawhi trade happens, and it's just like, oh, my God, like, this, the, the possibilities here are endless. You have the young guys getting better and just sort of the um, the perfection of this roster at this point compared to what it was before. It's uh, it's really exciting. So I'm excited Kawhi's here. I'm thankful Kawhi's here because it's kind of reinvigorated my desire to cover the team and do it, you know, well and with a lot of effort, uh, which I think, you know, was kind of waning at the end of last season, admittedly. Um, you know, I'm thankful for this podcast. I'm thankful for the listeners. You guys are wonderful. I very much appreciate everyone who asks questions or leaves ratings and reviews or comments on stuff that I write or, or the podcast. It's uh, it's very lovely. So, yes, thank you for all. I'm very thankful for all those people as well. Um, next question here. From Matt Collins, who are the early favorites for the final roster spots? I don't think there's really anyone who's going to... Like, there's an open roster spot. There's the 14th spot. Um, Malachi Richardson's going to be on this team, I'm pretty sure. So he'll be the 14th guy. You have Greg Monroe, Norm Powell. Those are 13 and 12, I suppose. You have Miles, Danny Green. You have, you know, Kawhi, Kyle. Like, there's 14 roster spots pretty much spoken for here with the usual suspects plus Malachi Richardson in case people are maybe not so thrilled on him being on the team this season. I think he's going to be there. And then you have Jordan Lloyd, who's a two-way, and maybe there's a competition 
competition for a second two-way contract to be given out because you know the Raptors are able to have two of those. Um, I wonder, you know, maybe it's Eric Moreland, maybe it's, I don't even know at this point who's really kind of in the running for that job. Kyle Collinsworth hasn't been super impressive. Uh, Malachi Richardson, I don't know. Oh, Lorenzo Brown's also on the team. He's got a guaranteed deal for this season. So, like, he's going to be on that 14-man roster too. Um, and Dang Adele maybe gets the two-way. I think he's probably the most likely considering what he did in the last preseason game, 13 points, 5 of 5, and just sort of as a nice long wing kind of maybe – Profiles is a higher upside guy than like a Kay Felder or a Collinsworth or someone like that who's more of a, a, a traditional point guard who the Raptors have a million of already. And then you have Eric Moreland who's a big and you could use another big on this team probably. And there's actually another question coming up about that in a second here. But um, I just I think the upside of a, of a big wing who can kind of defend and, and you can kind of mold a little bit going forward. I think Dang Adele is probably the most likely to get that second two-way if they're going to give one out at all. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not very interesting in terms of like position roster battles as you know it has been in the past with the Raptors just because it's pretty much spoken for. There's like 14 good players who are going to be on this team, and that's about it. Um, yeah, you can call Malachi Richardson not a good player if you want, but like as a 14th guy, you could do worse. And, you know, he's kind of shown a little bit of flash, I guess, in the first couple preseason games. He wasn't very good last night shooting-wise, but he... Profiles as a shooter, which is nice to have, I suppose. Although the Raptors have a lot of shooters, so maybe that's less of a in-demand skill. But um, yeah, I, I don't think there's much, you know, question over who's going to be on this roster. That that second two-way is a bit up in the air, but even then, doesn't really really matter. All right, next one here from Cohen Swinkles. Don't don't the Raptors have f- too few quality fives? We lost Pirtle and Bebe, only got Monroe back. If JV gets injured, we're doomed. No. Um, I don't think so. I think the Raptors, as much of the league is, are going to skew small this season. We've seen Serge and Jonas not really play together at all. They played a bit together last night, but that was their first bit of run together um, over the course of the preseason. And I just, I think we're going to see the Raptors play with one traditional big most of the time. And if that's the case, Ibaka's a very good backup five. And... I think he's going to fit that bench unit pretty nicely. And then Monroe's there is injury insurance, and you could do a lot worse than Greg Monroe as injury insurance. If JV gets hurt, which he like kind of gets nicked up sometimes, he kind of lands awkwardly a lot when he's going for a million, a million rebounds at a time, um, and he you know has ankle stuff kind of crop up here and there. I uh, yeah, I think Monroe will be a fine backup center there. I think they're good enough elsewhere to kind of you know make up for Monroe's defensive deficiencies, and he's a good enough offensive player that I think he can kind of stand in and do a lot of what Jonas does. He might even be a better passer and might fit those instances where they need a playmaker from the five a little bit better than Jonas does at times. So I do I do think it'll be fine. Like missing Yakupertel, yeah, that's gonna suck. He was really good and very reliable in the regular season, though almost unplayable come the postseason. Uh, but Bebe, like. I don't think you can call him a quality five. I love Bebe so much, and I, I'm sad that he's not in the NBA anymore, but like, I don't think you can call him quality, because considering that maybe like 30% of the time he would come in, he would actually do things that were positive. You know, It was a you know big sort of game of roulette with him, and a lot of the times you were coming up on the losing end with him, and I do think like Monroe's going to be totally fine as a backup center who comes in only in injury duty or in sort of matchup situations. Uh, if JV's playing poorly or there's foul trouble or something like that, like that, that's fine to have him there. 
Um, and I do. I, there's going to be a lot of time this season the Raptors spend with a wing at the four. And when you have that happening, you need less in terms of minutes from Surge at the four, and then you can have him, you know, soak up a lot of minutes at the five. So, no, yeah, it's a concern if there's injuries, but that's a concern with every team on every position across the entire league. Like injuries happen, and then that puts teams sort of on the back teams on the back foot. But um, I think the Raptors are pretty well set up to weather at least one injury to their center spot. And if they need to go sign somebody, they have that extra roster spot if they need to bring in someone season or at the waiver deadline or whatever um so yeah i think uh i think they'll be fine they don't need to be that loaded at center because i don't think they're going to need to play with two bigs very often and like you have pascal siakam who i think is probably more of a three than he is a five at this point but i think could you know fill in at some backup center at times if the raptors want to go really small just like look around the east outside of maybe philly None of these teams are going to, like, skew big, I don't think. And even Philly, they'll go Embiid and then a bunch of smalls around him, I'm sure, quite often. And I think you'll be able to get by there with just one center playing playing there. Maybe Ibaka will be kind of out of his depth against Embiid there, but Jonas has been pretty good against Embiid in the past. So uh, I think they'll be fine. And just the way the league's going, you don't need that many bigs anymore. And they have the position that you really want is sort of guys who can flip-flop between the two, three, and four and kind of do it interchangeably. And guess what? The Raptors have a shit ton of those guys, so I'm not super concerned about that. All right, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, I've droned on quite a bit. I'm still dealing with, like, a cough and a bad voice, so um, thank you for putting up with me. And I, that's kind of why I didn't do an episode yesterday. I was kind of coughing uncontrollably, and uh, I was never going to be able to get through one. So apologies for that. But we got the mailbag out, and we'll be back again uh, probably Monday with an episode. I'm not gonna say who the guest is just yet because i'm not sure if that's actually confirmed but uh fun episode on monday if everything goes as planned and the next week we might start diving into some other team previews kind of look around the the teams that matter in the eastern conference in relation to the raptors so uh, lots of locked on crossovers in the near future i'm sure and uh there's a game on wednesday i think against the nets in montreal which will be cool too maybe we'll get our pal russell pedal on uh he's in montreal obviously so maybe we can get him on it for a little bit of correspondence from that game after it's done on thursday And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Subscribe, rate, review. It's the best way to support the show, as always. And uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Have a great long weekend. We will talk to you on Monday, probably, but maybe Tuesday on Locked on Raptors.